Welcome to the University of Adversity, where the only rules of the class is to hold your head up high and keep moving forward. Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And now, here's your host, Lance Ecos. This episode is brought to you by Mike Young, the Makeover Master. If you feel your business image might be costing you money, influence, power, and respect, then head over to makeovermaster.com to discover what their complete brand makeover experience is all about. Go check it out right now because everyone deserves to look their best. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. My next guest went through an incredible amount of adversity as a child. Growing up in Iran, his family managed to survive multiple bombing attacks, which led them to escaping and making a move to the United States at 11 years old. The good news is is that he was able to fight through the struggles and create a new life. He's gone on to create amazing things called the Camp Transformation Center, where he's able to help transform thousands of people, not only physically, but in his opinion, mentally, the most important. He has also had a major transformation in himself, going from a scrawny, awkward kid to a championship bodybuilder. On top of all that, he's been able to publish two books, Becoming a One Percenter and The Total Body Transformation Secrets. So please welcome Sam Bakhtiar to the show. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good, man. Thank you for that amazing intro. Wow. You, uh, you really did read all my life story so thank you for having me <laughs> yeah man i like to be prepared you know it's uh it's always nice to be able to you know lift people up and um i get i i enjoy it so i'm, I'm super excited to have you on so maybe just uh take us back man it's a pretty powerful story and i would just love you to share and fill in the gaps for us gosh man when you said he's called university adversity i'm like man you got the right person here man i got phd in adversity i mean i don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't under adversity, even today, you know, I think, you know, adversity is what makes you grow and what makes you step out of your comfort zone and what makes you who you are. If you go through life with no adversity, you know, oh gosh, I, I don't even want to live life with no adversity. You know, you got to always push the envelope, right? And whenever you push the envelope, adversity just follows naturally. So gosh, where do you want me to begin? Well, I was born in Tehran, Iran, yeah. you know, and, um, my father and my mom got divorced when I was three. My, my father left the country first because we were at war. And uh, after that, I never saw my dad again. Um, so that's a big chip on my shoulder. You know, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm a father now. I overcompensate by becoming, you know, what I feel like I'm the best dad in the world. And I try to, you know, overdo it for my family and stuff like that. Not that's the right thing to do. But from age three to 11, we were getting bombed on. So it wasn't multiple bombing. It was daily bombing. You know what I mean? Wow. You know, every night, you know, you heard the sirens and that means we're under attack. Once you hear the sirens on the street, what they do is they turn off the lights, the electricity to all the, to all the, all the whole town, the whole town goes dark. This way the planes cannot see targets. Right. And then all you see is like fireworks. You see in Disneyland, all you see is like missiles going up, planes shooting down and, you know, you know, it it looks it looked like I said just like when you go see Disney fireworks, and that's what I that's what I was, uh, you know, I did from age three to eleven. I was going to school, was coming home, and getting bombed on every night. Wow, man, that's crazy! Like, I mean, that kind of thing you only, I mean, you only see in the movies, right? And and to be able to have survived that, like, what would you guys? 
So when it was happening, what would you do? Would you have to take shelter? Would you have to like? Well, I mean, you know, funny thing is like everybody said the best place to go is go downstairs in the basement. So all the family, we would go and we would, you know, shelter in the basement, all like cuddle with each other, you know, and my mom would hold me. And, you know, the craziest thing is my grandma, my grandma used to laugh. My grandma was crazy. My grandma was like, you know, if a bomb falls on the building, he goes, all of us will be dead. So I'm going to go to the roof because I want to see the fireworks. <laughs> and, and she would just go in the roof and like watch. I mean, literally like it was like fireworks, you know. And, um, you know, it, it was funny. My, my grandmother was just one strong, you know, no fear lady. Yeah, they, they grew up in a different time where it was just so tough to survive, you know, and uh, yeah, they they have something different and it's a lot lot stronger than a lot of the kids nowadays who are born, you know, that have it pretty pretty easy, pretty cushy. Not everybody, but a lot of them. So yeah. you, uh, okay, so you're, you're getting bombed, you're in Iran, like what, how did you guys get out of there and, you know, who was bombing you and kind of paint a picture of how you guys survived that and then where you went and you know eventually to the states well i don't know if you you heard of the guy named saddam hussein yeah yeah. so yeah so he was bombing us you know he was uh he attacked our country years ago and uh he was bombing us and like i said it was a bomb you know it was was a war for eight years over a million people died and um you know it was stupid crap you know and so my mom at age 11 they were recruiting all the kids to go to the military, all the boys. And my mom was like, well, I don't want my kid to die. So we need to leave the country. So we left Iran as the refugees of war. Me and my mom, $500 and one luggage. That's all we had. So we went to France for a few months as refugees of war. And from that, we came to the United States um, as refugees of war to the United States in 1985. Wow. Where did you guys go to the States? <laughs> well, it's funny because... Uh, you're going to laugh because when I was coming to States, when I was in France, I was like, oh, well, we're going to America. You know, from what I see on the TV and networks, everybody's a millionaire. Everybody has Cadillacs and mansions. And, you know, wow, you know, it's, it's so beautiful there because they were, you know, they were showing Beverly Hills and all the all the cool places. Nobody ever shows like, you know, the hood, you know, in the in America, you know, in, the, in, in, in you know, like, you know, daytime daytime television. So when I came to the United States, you know, I thought that, you know, that's where I was going. I was going to Beverly Hills and everybody's, you know, millionaires and stuff like that. We came to a little co- little town called Sharon, Pennsylvania. And Sharon, Pennsylvania was um, in the middle of nowhere. It, 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 even to this day, man, I think the average household income there is like $30,000, $35,000 a year. And it's a very depressed town where old steel mills have shut down and um, very poor in the middle of crack cocaine epidemic. And, um, and it was crazy. And my uncle did pretty much what every, you know, Middle Eastern does when they come to America, we don't have no other skills. He opens up a convenience store in the hood. I'm talking about in the worst part of the hood where there's brick roads. And, you know, like I said, you, you, you know, you go outside of my uncle's store, there's a sign that says, if you're hanging around the street, you're going to get arrested. That's how bad it was. And you, you look outside, there is, you know, pimps, you know, hoes and prostitutes and drug dealers. You know, and um, that's where I worked there the whole time I was in, um, you know, um, middle school and high school. Wow. So, oh man, what year? Like, let's, let's, what, what year are we talking here? So we, so people can get a perspective of, uh, well, well, we're looking, we're, no, we came to America in 1985. I was 11 oh, years so old. Right during like the big Coke boom and all that, 
all that stuff happening. Exactly. Right exactly. You know, like I said, all the steel mills were shutting down. You know, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you know, and you know, crack cocaine was on the rise. Moving up from Miami and Florida, and then working its way up. Yeah, man, it was. Fuck. It was. And then you know, you know, I came, I came, you know, I came there, and I'm like, all right. I remember, I don't speak English. My clothes to look totally different than what American people wear. You know, my haircut was different. I had a unibrow. You know, you know, I just, I, I first day of school, I walked in. Remember, you're talking about middle nowhere America. I think right now, maybe they have a couple of Asians and a couple of like Mexicans there, but in the middle of 1985, in the middle of nowhere America, when I walked into school, there was black people, there was white people, and it was Sam. And literally, it was like a Michael Jackson beta video. Nobody knew. They were like looking at me like, what the hell is that? Is that white? Is that black? Does he listen to rap? Does he listen to rock? You know what I mean? And, um, and so I went to the guidance counselor. I said, yeah, I want to learn seventh grade, you know, and I want to play football. And the guidance counselor, yeah, yeah, you know, we have football, football. I'm like, I'm like, this is a weird country. I know this is the foot and this is the ball. I'm like, what are you talking about? You can't, you can't touch the ball with your hand or football. He goes, no, no, that's called soccer. We don't have a soccer team, right? And now, you know, like I said, I'm in a new country. I don't even have a sport. I don't have friends. Everybody's making fun of me. I don't have the same clothes, everything else. You know, I'm working in the in the hood, which is ugly, abandoned building, you know, pimps, hoes, and drug dealers. Um, and now I'm like, well, I don't have a sport, which was my life. So, you know, you know, soccer was my life. And then I'm like, well, I don't know anything about American football. I don't know anything about baseball. To this day, I don't even know what baseball is all about. I just know you, you know what I mean? You know, to this day, I honestly don't know. You know, I just know you have to hit the, hit the ball and run. I don't know anybody. I'm like, why does this have so many innings? I don't know. Um, but, but long story short, I said, you know what? I'm going to try for, try for basketball. You know, I'm going to try for a basketball team. And so I tried out for the basketball team. At least I knew you had to put the ball in the hoop. That's all I knew, you know? Yeah. And I didn't make the team. I got cut. I was the only person that got cut. Everybody else made it. I got cut. And I was like, um, that was the biggest blow to my ego, the whole thing. I walked home after that day. I remember like it was yesterday. I walked home and I cried the whole time home. I came home. Mom was like, what's wrong? Mom, I hate this country. I don't like to do the school. Let's go back. This is not for me, you know, and nobody likes me. I didn't make the team, you know, and obviously like you don't make the team. You got cut. You're the only person that got cut. Imagine all the, all the, all the bulliness that comes from that, all the people making fun of you and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So my mom said, you know what? No, you know, going back is not an option. Here's what we do. After school, go to the boys club, practice from 2.30 to 5. And after that, I'll come pick you up. We're going to go home, do homework, eat dinner, take a shower, go back to bed and start over again. So that was the plan, Monday through Friday. So I started going there, started getting better at basketball. But then I, walked, I saw these guys going to a room upstairs, which was full of rusty weights and, you know, uh, old school gym, in a, like a garage-sized gym bed. Just big old dudes, like, lifted insane weights and cussing at each other, chewing tobacco, spitting, slapping each other. And, um, you know, I went up there the first time I looked. I'm like, oh, my God, these guys are going to eat me. I was, I was a scrawny little, you know, you know, 12-year-old kid, you know, awkward body, little arms and big old belly. And, um, and so I would wait till they leave every day. And after they leave, I would go up there and start working out and, I didn't even know anything about working out. You don't know how many times I dropped the weight on my chest. There was nobody around. I literally almost should have died, should have been paralyzed because so many times I couldn't get the weight off my chest. But long story short, I started seeing a little bit of results and I fell in love and became obsessed with working out and bodybuilding and body transformation. And um, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. That was my calling. And 
and that's what I want to do the rest of my life. Yeah, that's that's tough, man, because so many kids, even at that age, just moving schools in your own country is is really tough. I mean, I did that and you know, I went from being one, you know, the kind of the cool kid to like the loser kid. It's 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 amazing how mean kids are and coming from yourself like a completely different country, completely different part of the world, and it must have been just a shock. So like your mom must have had a huge huge role in keeping you on because you could have easily just went down like a terrible path. Right. I mean, at that point you could have just either went on. My mom is an old school, old school Middle Eastern lady. Yeah. And, um, to this day, I don't think she has ever said, Sam, you're doing great. Sam, amazing job. You know? So she always pushed me to be above and beyond, you know, what I would, what I would do and and what I would normally do. So, um, um, so yes, you know, she put that mindset for me to always like take things to the next level and no matter how good I was doing, I could always do better. Wow. So yeah. So you're going and you, you're sort of looking for your thing. You didn't find it in, in, in the first bit of sports. I don't blame you for the baseball thing. I'm not a huge baseball fan either, but so you found weights, you found working out now, like what made you love that so much? What made you so passionate? You know, it's so funny because I just, not too long ago, realized why I became so passionate about it. You know, you know, you know I, was, I was wondering the same thing until recently I really gave it some thought. Why did I become so obsessed with that? And remember, you know, Tony Robbins talks about the human need. We all feel like we need to belong. We all need to be accepted. You know, and when I, you know, like I said, I was a cool kid back in my country. And now I came to America. Now nobody likes me. I don't like the sport. I didn't even make the team. I was a star player in my old country in, 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 in soccer. And so I wasn't accepted. And I, just, I was just craving to be accepted. I wanted people to like me. I wanted people to notice me. And working out not only changed me physically, but it got me noticed. And that changed me mentally and gave me self-esteem and self-worth and self-assurance. So you saw the transformation in yourself and was, were you like, I, I want to help other people do this as well? Because if somebody's looking for that sort of outlet, I want to help share this with people and help them grow as well. Well, I wasn't, not in the beginning. In the beginning, no. I was like infatuated. It's like, man, I want to become a bodybuilder now. I want to see how yeah. far I can take it. You yeah, know, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and everybody, that would have been the perfect time, right? Absolutely. That was exactly when the, when the Terminator movies were out, oh, the Rocky yeah. movies were out. And, you know, it was like, man, you know, I would look at, you know, um, you know, you know, Rocky, you know, Sylvester Sloan and, and that, what, what that mountain movie when he was like, you know, his forearms were all blasting out like this. I was looking at, I was like literally like staring at their biceps for hours, man. Look, you get to get the magazine. I'm like, I want to look like that. I want to look like that. And so I was like, what can I do? So I became infatuated and started studying every magazine, reading books. I would get $20 a week allowance and I would take it right to GNC. I would get the latest amino acid, whatever, whatever it was. I would like literally do a set in the gym, pop a pill, flex in front of a mirror, see what happened, you know? And um, so I knew that I wanted to just become better and better. And then um, my mom, being an old school Middle Eastern, always told me, Sam, you can only be three things in life if you want to be successful, doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Because if you're not a doctor or engineer, you're nobody. So, and then she said, preferably a doctor. So I knew I had to do that to, to fulfill my mom's dreams. So I went to school at Penn State, studied pre-medicine nutrition, and all my electives, I, 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 I took everything that had to do with anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, and nutrition so I can learn that because I wanted to 
you know, to change my body and take this all the way. And uh, then the whole time I was in college, I was doing personal training and applying what I learned in the gym and what I learned in the classroom to my clients. And um, when my mom said become a doctor, I'm like, okay, well, I don't want to operate on anyone. I don't want to drill, drill anyone's teeth. What doctor has to do with, you know, muscles and bones and bodybuilding, things that I like. And I researched it back then, you know, physical therapists didn't have a doctor, doctor program. So chiropractic was only the, the doctor program in and I went and um, applied for chiropractic school, and that was the, the beginning of getting my doctor degree. Awesome. So did you feel you had a big advantage on some of the other personal trainers because you knew the biomechanics? And that stuff fascinates me, man, like the actual you know, science of it. I mean, a lot of personal trainers, um, well, I'm, I'm assuming back then, weren't that educated. They were on the surface, but they didn't actually know how the body worked. Did you notice that as you went along, like people yeah, giving I mean, advice that yeah, you weren't know, really you know, qualified? You know, it definitely gave me some credibility, you know, yeah. some, some, some credibility, you know, in, in the field, you know, people say, Hey, he, okay, he's not just a meathead telling me what to do. He's a meathead, but he actually knows and, and studies these things and knows that kind of stuff. So yes, he did give me some, um, some credibility, you know, and, um, you know, some, a little bit of advantage, but the biggest advantage is not really what you know in personal training, you know, you know, in personal training, the biggest advantage is how can you, um, uh, um, gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? How can you inspire others? How can you make them do what you want to do? How can you be a cheerleader for them? How can you show up when you don't feel like showing up? How can you get them to make a change? You know, I've known, you know, personal trainers who have had a master's degree in kinesiology. And then I've also had known, you know, trainers who had, you know, literally a basic certification. And if you really genuinely care about people when over deliver, you know, a basic certification will go longer than a, than a, in a person who has a master's degree and is just there to, to, to pick up a check. That's an awesome point. And I love that. I love how you put that in perspective because yeah, you can have all the skills, you know, on paper, but if you can't inspire somebody and motivate them to like get excited for the gym, then what's the point? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Well, that's cool, man. So you obviously, you know, coming from the background, you went through a lot of shit, you struggled, you, you've, you're creating a lot of stuff in your life. Now, like, what did you, how did you work on becoming to the point where you're, you know, you're creating your camp transformation center and how did you, what skills did you learn or did you apply into it that allowed you to inspire and motivate people, man? Because you can obviously, you know, it's all in your, you, you can tell that you're, you're an inspiring guy. So you know, what are the things you do on a daily basis or what, what did you do to sort of get to where you were at? You know, you know, it's a long story. You know, you know, um, I knew that a big part of my fulfillment is helping others. You know, to this day, when I get a message, oh, Sam, you know, you know, we couldn't have kids. But now that I got in shape, we're having kids. We call it camp babies. Sam, I went to the doctor and I couldn't believe, he couldn't believe what I was doing. Couldn't believe that I, I have no more blood pressure or, or high cholesterol. Sam, you know, all kinds of different messages. That, that, that became a, a huge fulfillment factor for me, you know. But, you know, becoming inspiring and help getting, helping move others wasn't something that came naturally to me. Wasn't something natural. I was very shy. I was very awkward. And um, I learned that if I want, to make an impact, I need to learn how to persuade, mm. you know, and persuasion can be a double-edged sword 
because if you persuade people to do the wrong things, that's when you become dangerous, you know, you know, and, and we know some of the, some of the most dangerous people like Hitler, you know, and, and some of the, you know, you know, you know, the historic figures that were able to persuade people to do wrong. But if you learn persuasion and use it the right way to get people to do better for themselves, you know, that's, that's when things become profound. And when I first started the business for me, it was all about making enough money to survive and pay for my bodybuilding and, you know, do, you know, you know, it was just, it was okay. You know, I, I don't mind working all day, all night to make 10 grand a month when I was 26, 27, when I started my business. And that's what I was doing. I was making like, you know, 10, 12 grand a month, but I was working 80 hours a week, you know? And, um, and when, when I really started taking the business, you know, to the next level was when I hired a mentor and I've learned how to, you know, work on my business, not in my business and started to be able to delegate more and be able to work on, um, things that made me the, the things that move big, big levers. Yeah, no, for sure. And I like what you said there about fulfillment. You know, you can, you can make all the money, but if you're not being fulfilled and yeah, just hearing people's stories and knowing that you help them out is just, it's really like the only thing that really feels good. You know, you can have all the stuff on the surface, but if you're not actually helping people, it doesn't really, there's no fulfillment in that, you know? So, well, I mean, I mean, look, man, you know, my favorite quote is from Tony Robbins. You know, he says, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Yeah. Think about that. I mean, think about like you are standing, you're at the top, but you haven't helped anybody else. Dad, that's an empty feeling. Yeah, totally, man. Have you, I'm going to Tony in, uh, in California in March. Have you been to Tony's live? Oh yeah. I've been to many of his. Which one are you going to? <laughs> Um, at least the power within. Yeah, you Yes, yes, it's just, it's great. <laughs> I can't dude, wait, man. That dude is insane. He's he my like, he's my number one, man. He always has. He's the one that really lit the fire in my ass to to do just to just make a change in my life too. Bro, man. there's there there is no one better. Yeah, there is there is no there. There'll be many after him, but there will never anybody be as good as him. The dude has literally studied success yeah. and human performance. You know, since he was a little teenager, like I've studied, you know, fitness, he studied, you know, the dude is, if, if he was 2000 years ago, he would be a prophet. Yeah. He's, his ability to, um, get, like get people in that emotional state and to move them and, and just to do incredible things. Like I just went to one day seminar with his and the, the crowd was really quiet, right? We had a few people speaking and whatever. And then he came out. And he was like, what's wrong with you guys? Why are you guys so quiet? And like immediately you had like all these shy people. By the end of it, people are jumping up and down, high-fiving. It's just amazing how he can control the state. And, and just like you said, it's so important to be able to persuade people and, and inspire them to do that. So like he's, he's the master for sure. Absolutely. Now, man, let's deep dive into your Camp Transformation Center. I'm excited to hear about this because this sounds, this sounds incredible. I looked into it and you're doing some pretty freaking amazing stuff. So, like, let's let's talk about that for a sec, man. All right. Well, you know, the Camp Transformation Center was born out of desperation. So, when I started my personal training business in uh, February 15th of year 2000, I started doing good. I was like, I was working 70, 80 hours. I was making 10, 12 grand a month. I was doing great. And uh, then all of a sudden, I hit 2007, 2008 when the big recession hit. You know, and I've never had mentors before then or anything like that. So, nobody told me. Um, 
it, no, you know, nobody told me the ups and downs in the economy and everything that can happen and all that kind of stuff. And um, I literally, you know, went from in 2007 doing $2.4 million out of my facility to 2009 doing 400000 in facilities. So I lost $2 million in revenue literally in two years. And um, I was a little devastated. You know, had my house was being foreclosed on. You know, um, I was getting eviction notices and, um, you know, you know, credit cards were calling me and, and, I, and I was the worst time because my wife was, but my, you know, my wife was pregnant at the time with our first kid. And now I'm, you know, I waited to have a kid for a time. So I said, so I thought I was more financially secure. Now I bring in a kid and, you know, she's six months pregnant. I'm sitting in front of her and I have no money in my name. And uh, it was the most devastating time of my life where I was like, man, I got to do something. So then at that time, you know, my business partner now, she was a friend of mine. Her name is, her name is Ali Alejandra Font. She asked me, hey, Sam, why don't, why don't we, you know, open up a camp together? We have boot camp kind of sort of thing. And coming from a bodybuilding background, I'm like, what is a boot camp? I'm like, isn't that, you know, a bunch of people doing just jumping jacks and running around? You know, I'm like, that doesn't work because, you know, I was still in an old state of bodybuilding. Hey, I need one trainer, heavy weights, you know, squats, deadlifts, you know. And uh, she goes, she goes, no, let's try it. I'm like, okay, I'll give you a bunch of stuff to do. I'll give her a bunch of stuff to do. Hopefully she won't do it so I don't have to go through with it. But she went and did it. So I said, all right, I have $9,000. Let's invest $9,000. I said, $9,000 or $11,000. I said, that's all I have in my name. Let's invest it. You have to teach all the classes. You do the thing. You do the work. I just invest in it, and I'll oversee it. So next thing you know, she did it. She went and taught all the classes. She did it. Next thing you know, the, the income from the camp is surpassing the, my, my, my personal training business. Then I'm like, wait a second. Maybe I need to pay this more attention. And that's when I got in there, you know, started scaling the business and, and uh, we started that. And now, what is it, eight years later, you know, no, not even that, six years later, we have 107 locations. Wow. So you, yeah, so that recession actually kind of gave you a bit of a, it almost helped you in a way, right? Because it kind of forced you to do something different, but it was like, sounds like, I mean, so many people I talked to lost everything in that, in that recession in 2008. You know, you know, I've learned that every, at, at the end of every adversity, there is a prize if you can go through the adversity and face. And I'm telling you right now, you know, I can name so many, so many things that has happened to me where at that time I was like, why me? Why me? Why me? And I knew now that I look back, I'm like, you know what? I know why that happened because I wasn't going to make a change. So I was forced a change to better myself. Because yeah. if you're not going to make a change, God said, like, well, you're too comfortable. You're not going to make a change. So I'm going to force a change on you. So this way you go through it and get better. And that's what God has done for me. Yeah, that's amazing. And even what Tony says as well, it's, he says, life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. you know? And if you can realize that, and, and so many people who become successful, I've noticed, in other episodes and in, in, in life, like when you can accept that it's happening and you're going to grow from this, that's where the magic happens. Cause the journey is where it all, where it all is. Right. And Absolutely. if you, you know, you during, you know, you're going to have so many ups and downs and just to hear your story, man, that's crazy because I mean, you went through a lot, but you've been able to create quite a bit, even after going through like a second huge chunk of adversity in 2008. So that's, um, that's awesome. So we're, where do you see this camp going now? Like what else, how, how much has it grown? Like, where is it? 
So, like I said, we have 107 locations as of today. Wow. You know, by you know, by in the next two weeks, I think we open up another five locations. So we'll be at least 111 or 112. You know, um, I just want the camp to be a household name, like a 24 hour fitness or you know, LA fitness and all that kind of stuff. You know, I want to change people's lives. I want to change people's lives and impact people's lives through exercise and nutrition, in my opinion. And, you know, like I said, in my book, Becoming a One Percenter, you know, I talk about, you know, the five F's in life, which is faith, family, fitness, finance, and fun. And I believe my calling is to be able to, you know, to be able to reach all those five things through fitness first. Awesome. Yeah. The success has a direct correlation with your health and well, and, and, um, feeling good. Right. I mean, I, that's, that's the thing I've, I've been saying that as well. If you don't have your health, what's the point of, what's the point of having a lot of money? If you, if you aren't optimal. Well, well people always ask exactly. People always ask me, so why did you have fitness before finance? Should have finance be before fitness? I was like, well, let me ask you a question. Do you rather be poor and have your health or do you rather be super rich and be unhealthy? You tell me. Yeah, exactly. So what about supplements now? You, you're getting into that. You're in that business as well, right? What kind of like, what's your, what's your overall perspective of that? And, you know, what do you focus on as far as you that? Know, you know, supplements, I, I was, as I was telling you, supplements has been my passion, my obsession since I was like 14, 13, 14 years old. Remember, I would yeah. take my $20 to GNC, you know, yeah. every week I would, you know, take the latest thing. And, and I'm all about human performance. You know, whatever you can do to better yourself and increase your performance and, and in all areas of life. So I've been, you know, in the supplement business because we have a supplements that are, uh, you know, uh, proprietary to the camp for yeah. our programs and things like that. It's called Myosport. But lately, I'm like, you know what? I want to be able to reach a wider audience. You know, I can't sell or, or offer Myosport outside of camp to any other thing because it's proprietary to our franchisees only. So I, I created... Uh, a 1% nutrition, which uh, is my passion project. And it's so cool because I've never been in a situation where I'm doing something because it, and it doesn't pay me, but it's, it's my passion. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, I'm, I've never been in that luxury because everything that I ever had to do before, it was all about, okay, I got to make money because I got to pay bills. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, 1% is just a passion project. You know, I have other income streams like the camp and other things that I do. So 1%, I'm taking the time and I want to create a movement. I want to create a movement of 1%ers, not just through supplements, but through just everything that, that we need to do to get somebody to be the best self. Awesome, man. So where, where do you see this whole scope in the next five, 10 years? You see it just becoming just like a massive household name or what? Like what other, what other visions or plans do you have on the horizon for this? You know, I want to, I guess I do. I do want it to become a household name. I want to be able to impact as many more people. I want to help people. You know, there's nothing worse in life than just keep going through the motions and keep staying the same. I'm motivated by progress. And I want to show people they can be alive. They they don't have to just accept, you know, getting a rat race and going over there and getting old and 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 and, and this is it. This is this that's all there is to living. I want people to be able to all become one percenters through hard work, through dedication, through planning, through, you know, you know, uh, strategic alliances, you know, and everything that we need to do to, to get there. You know, there's nothing, I, I was telling somebody else earlier, he's like, I'd rather be in my one bedroom apartment and be able to progress than, than to be in my mansion and stay the same. You know, I'm, 
I'm all about progress. If I'm not progressing, I'm miserable. Yeah, that's the thing, right? <clears throat> you got to be progressing in your life or you're going backwards. <laughs> if you're not going forward, you're going backwards. I really like the one percenter, man. I like your branding. I, lo- I love it. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, no problem, man. And so, so what other, so you said you had another, you had another book as well, man. What book was that? Yeah, so the book I launched in, I think it was 2007. Uh, it's called uh, The Total Body Transformation Secrets. Cool. You know, and that's basically everything that I was doing at the time to get ready to lose body fat, gain muscle tone and, and get, you know, contest ready when I was, when I was competing. Oh, nice. So, okay. I got a couple more questions for you, man. Um, first off, give us a, give us your routine, your morning routine. These are huge rituals are huge lately and I find it super powerful, but for you being a successful businessman, you know, with gyms, health, fitness, all that. What's your go-to rituals in the morning? Like, let's say your top three things. <laughs> so, I'm, 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 I'm obsessive compulsive with my time. I'm very, very uh, time, you know, I'm very, I, I manage my time. Like, I protect my time like I protect my kids. So, you know, basically everything through what time I go to bed to what time I take a shower, what time I eat breakfast, it's written here. So, um, so this way, I don't want to wonder what I'm doing next. I have it with me. And I don't lose my phone with this kind of stuff. I want to have it in my eye view all the time. You know, I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I head to the gym from 4 to 5.30. I walk the dog from 5.30 to 6. I come home, take a shower, you know, get ready for the day. I, you know, I, I hit the office about 7.30. Usually, I work from 7.30 to about, you know, you know 2.30, 3 o'clock. Then after that is usually my, you know, family time and, you know, things like that. But every second of that is literally written down, you know, things like that. Also, um, you know, I have something that I wrote, the things that I need to do every single day for me to call the win, even little stuff. So I have a checklist of things that I need to do, not only my calendar, things that I need to do to move business forward, to, to, um, to move myself forward. When I, when I finish that, that means I won the day. So you have a, a, do you type up a thing for every day, the stuff that you need to do? Do you have it's like, same, no, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. You know, you, you know, my, my daily checklist is the same thing. Right. Okay. M- my schedule changes. Yeah. Okay. So you get up at 3 a.m. every single day. What time yeah. do you go to sleep? I go to sleep at nine. Okay. Wow. Wow, man. That's uh, that's incredible. <laughs> That's, uh, that's super powerful. And if you can stay disciplined like that, that's the thing. A lot of people aren't disciplined enough. And if you can, you got to be real serious about time. That's something I'm working on too, is, is being able to stick to that discipline. Because if you're not disciplined to yourself, you're not going to be disciplined to everything else in your life, right? Well, let me, let me ask you a question. Do you have children? No. Okay. Wait till you have children. Let me ask you another question. Out of everything in the world, who would you like to spend more more time with? Your family or anyone else? No, family, yeah, absolutely. Right? So so yeah. one day, for example, when you have a wife or you have kids or whatever, yeah. you know, you understand that there's only 24 hours in a day. And every minute you're wasting, you're taking away from your family and being with your children. Bottom line. So the faster you can be able to get stuff done and be as efficient as possible, and then you can, the faster you can go over there and spend time with the kids. And any time that you're spending and wasting is taking time away from your kids. 
And that also comes with the funds and money. When I went, you know, we didn't talk about this, but one of the, my second, you know, we talked about the recession and everything, but the biggest blow to me was my divorce in 2014. You know, when, you know, uh, you know, I was busting my ass, I finally got us, started to get us out of the hole in 2014. And then next thing you know, the next big adversity comes in. You know, I, all of a sudden I get served with divorce papers. I was married for seven years. And now I feel like, oh my God, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I'm going through a divorce. I'm a loser, you know, and I went and got my, got myself that one bedroom apartment away from, you know, and now I'm like, oh my God, I'm not going to see my children every day. What am I going to do? Sam, why don't you just go to the clubs and start drinking alcohol and, and chase women like I used to when you were younger and, and, and stupid? Or well, what are you going to do? So I, I literally sat down, you know, in my one bedroom apartment, you know, literally have a talk with myself, cried my eyes out. And I said, what do Sam wants to do now that's 40 years old? He's just barely getting out of this recession. And uh, what am I going to do? I said, well, what's my top priorities? My top priority is, number one, you know, spend time with my children. But unfortunately, that was taken away from me because, you know, now I see my kids on Wednesdays and on the weekends. So if I don't see them on Wednesdays and the weekends, what are you going to do? What's my, if, if you're not going to be with your children, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to provide for my children. That was my number two, right? So when you're crystal clear on exactly what your priorities are, then decision-making becomes really easy. You know, if somebody says, Sam, come over, let's have a beer and watch football. That doesn't give me more time with my kids and it'll give me more money for my kids. Nope, thank you. Move on, move on. So that's when 2014 is when I started really blowing it up at the camp because I got crystal clear on what I needed to do in life to move forward. So you're basically revisiting your whys every day. Like, will this get me closer to my why, which is your kids? I mean, I mean, look, man, you know, everything you do either yeah. gets you closer to your goal or more away from your goal. Yeah. Yeah. So man. if it's not aligned for my ultimate goal, why even bother to do it? Cock, that's so true, man. I love it, bro. I love it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. I love to hear these kind of things, you know, because it's, I learned too, it's all perspective. You see people their success and what they're doing. And it's just fascinating to me to hear how people, you know, they deal with it. You know, some people are organized, some aren't. And the reason why they do things and it just paints a picture, you know, for people listening that everybody's got a different method, but like each method, there's somebody's like your story, you know, could make something click in somebody else's mind and just go on to do amazing things. Right. And Absolutely. That's, that's what it's all about. Right. Is, is to share that with people. So the two more things real quick, I just want to make sure we don't miss where we can find you. Let us know. Let's plug you. Where, where, where can everybody find you? Okay, well, my Instagram is Sam, S-A-M, back T-R, B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R. And you can also, you know, find me at my nutrition website, 1%nutrition.com, 1%nutrition.com. Awesome. That'll all be in the show notes. So we'll make sure that people can find you. Um, also, so one thing, I, one thing I always ask, I know we touched on it a little bit, What's one thing that you can give to our listeners to help them overcome adversity so that they can go on to, you know, potentially do whatever they're meant to do? Well, Les Brown says this. You either in a problem, lift a problem, or headed towards one. In life, ever since I can remember, when I was in the kindergarten, I had adversity. Somebody didn't like me, somebody pushed me, or somebody I pushed somebody, or the teacher said, don't do this. There's always some kind of conflict, some kind of adversity, some bigger than the other. Adversity is part of life. If you don't go through adversity, you die. 
You know, you know, you know, it's bottom line. I mean, it, it, people say, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Do you understand that stress is a part of life? And without stress, without any stress at all, you will die. So it's how you look at things and how you perceive things. Two people can look at, look, look at the same thing and one can be, oh, my God, I'm stressed, oh, my God, I'm stressed. And they're all like, well, that's really easy. Look at this, look at how, how you can easily do this and learn from it. So you change your lens, you change your life. You know, and you have to accept that not everything is going to go your way. The world is not going to align because you have a goal and you're going to get to your goal as long as you'll be able to, you know, be able to course correct and go like that. When the rocket goes to the moon, it course corrects, like, I forgot how many million times. It's not just one shot to the moon, you know, it's you have to constantly course correct and adjust. And if you don't adjust, you don't evolve. If you don't evolve, you perish. Man, that's gold. Change your lens, change your life. I love that, man. That's rock solid. So much gold in that, man. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's my pleasure. Yeah, everybody everybody, check him out. Sam Bakhtiar, he's got some amazing value. He's got some incredible stuff happening right now, so make sure you check him out. Really appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure. No, it's an honor and pleasure. Thank you for having me. God Cheers, bless. Man. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you got some value from that. Without you guys, this is impossible. So. I really, really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the episode and got value from it, go ahead and rate it, review it, hit that subscribe button. We want to get this to as many people as possible. We want this thing to grow. So go ahead, rate, review, subscribe, and I can't wait for the next episode. Thank you so much. You just finished another class at the University of Adversity. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and tune in again next time for more life lessons with Lance ECOs.